This morning we're going to dig into God's Word together uh, in Ephesians 3. Before we turn there, as you're turning there, man, that lyric caught me off guard. Uh, it looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That one, um, you know, it's been a it's been a a tough season, and uh, I know many of you are going through a tough season. If 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 that's you, if that's where you are, I hope that that lyric hits you as well. Because sometimes it looks like you're surrounded. Sometimes you even feel like you're surrounded. Uh, But to know that you're surrounded by the protecting, powerful, grace-filled presence of Jesus Christ is where your assurance lies. So I pray that that's for a word that would catch each and every one of us off guard today. In in Ephesians chapter 3, Beginning in verse 14 and following through verse 20, we uh, will focus our attention. Uh, today we have uh, the gift uh, of launching uh, the annual theme for the church that we find uh, particularly in verse 17 of this passage. But we'll read it and study it in whole and full this morning as we together hear the word of the Lord. Would you focus your attention with me on His holy word? Paul writes, For this reason I bow My knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through His Spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who, by the power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God. We do come to you in this space and this time asking for your holy presence that you would draw near to us by uh, the power, the potency of your word. Lord, open our eyes that we would see. Open our ears that we would hear. Open our minds, we would come to know, understand your word, and indeed your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace we ask, O God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was growing up, it was almost like a family tradition. Uh, every time a storm blew through, we would head, o- head off to Granny's house. 
My, my granny and granddaddy lived in Port Acres uh, down in the Golden Triangle, and uh, a storm might have been, uh, most often was a windstorm, most often it was actually a hurricane blow through, uh, or a tropical storm, and so anytime one blew through, all the family would gather up at granny's house. Uh, my uncles, my aunts, my cousins, we'd all show up, and we showed up uh, with chainsaws and beer, which is... Uh, uh, you know, I was a kid, I just observed the uncles with the beer, and, and uh, that seems like a dangerous combination, chainsaws and beer, but um, that's, that's what we did in the Golden Triangle, and so we, we, would, uh, uh, we would be there because Granny lived on a couple acres, and uh, on her couple acres she had uh, these massive trees, and these not so massive trees. And so if a storm blew through it, it meant it was time to do some cleanup. And we would, we would all go and we'd cut everything up. We'd haul it over into the front. We'd fill up the front ditch. She had this, this ditch and her driveway went over it with the kind of uh, shell, like the, like the beach shell uh, driveway. Uh, well, some of y'all know what I'm talking about down Gulf Coast. So uh, we'd fill the ditch up with, with limbs and with debris. And I remember as a kid, I, I, I wasn't allowed to, to use a chainsaw until I was a little bit older, but I remember dragging stuff and I'd have to get it like this and I'd lean it up and then I'd like toss it on top because the pile would be bigger than my head in, in the ditch of all the debris. I remember one time in particular, we went out there and, uh, and it, was a, it was a awful storm that had blown through. I don't remember which one, but I'm certain by the damage it had to have been a hurricane. And I remember uh, when we showed up, some of her trees, it wasn't just limbs that were snapped or hung that needed to be cut. Some of her trees had actually just fell over. And, and the root systems were exposed. And I was fascinated by, by that. And, and, and some of them were the small trees where the roots hadn't ever really taken. And some of them were the big trees where the root ball was enormous. And I remember approaching one of them. my granddaddy was out there with me, and, uh, and he was smoking, as granddaddy was known to do. And I was standing next to it, and, and he said, uh, Jason, see those roots? They're bigger than you are. I was like, yeah, they sure are, twice as big as I am. I looked up at the root balls. It was you know, bigger than I was. And I said, granddaddy, if, if the roots are, are, are that much bigger than me, How'd this tree fall? He said, you see, well, that, that little tree over there, that little tree, it fell because the roots were too small uh, for it. The tree outgrew its roots. He said, Jason, one thing that you have to learn as you get older is that it doesn't matter how big the tree is, you could still outgrow your roots. And this tree here, this tree that you're standing next to, that the root ball is, is that kind of massive, even though it's that kind of big, look how big that tree is. That tree's been here for 75, 80 years. But it let its roots get unhealthy, and it absolutely outgrew its roots. We're in a season as as a church, as a people of God, where we need to be reminded, we must be reminded of our roots and to focus intentionally setting forth 
priority on the care that it takes to be rooted in Christ. Some of us, we might be a a new tree, a small tree, just growing in our faith, and we could be blown over if we don't attend to our roots first. Some of us might have been established in the faith for years and years for decades, in fact, but we can still be blown over if we don't attend to our roots. Why do we need to be rooted? Why do we need to be rooted? In... um, the fall of 2017, uh, we as a church gathered around uh, uh, one of these verses, Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20, we gathered around that verse and, and we uh, acknowledged that, that, that what God can do within us is immeasurably far, far more than we could ask or imagine. And, and what this more is, we, we confess to one another what this more is, is that, that God has called us to be about the work of connecting more, connecting more and more and more, and that, 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 that God does not intend for any of his children to be disconnected, isolated, outside of the family of faith. And so, so we, we, we gathered together as a church, and we said, God has called us to connect more. That is at the foundation of who we are. And we saw, we saw immeasurably more, honestly, we saw immeasurably more than, than I could have ever imagined, more than any of us could have asked for, because God was faithful in that confession and that proclamation, and we were able to raise the funds necessary to support this vision. But you know what? If we weren't rooted in the vision then, then that effort could not have been made possible. I want to tell you the same is true today. The call of God to connect more into the life-giving grace of Jesus Christ has not ceased or gone away uh, at the conclusion of 2017. Uh, It's actually uh, supposed to be manifest, realized uh, in in the activity that we're about today, the activity that will be going on into the future, especially the activity of the church as we enter into this season of planting roots permanently in the community. And I want you to know, if we're not rooted in the vision of God now, then we will not sustain the winds that are bound to come, and we will fall. We must be rooted. We have to be rooted. It's not possible for us to bear fruit if we're not rooted. Some of you might be thinking, um, uh, why is this rooted imagery for me? You might be saying to yourself, indeed, I, I have been uh, a woman, a man of God for, for years. I've been in intentional relationship. I've been rooted in my faith. And, and so I, I, I don't understand the why. I want us to focus our attention just a second on on that verse 17. You know, um, there's there's this uh, false teaching uh, in some parts of uh, the Christian faith. uh, And there's this false understanding culturally about Christianity 
that once you have been saved, it's all gravy after that. Like, 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 like when you hit that moment of salvation, when you, when you profess Jesus Christ as Lord, when you have faith, everything after that is, is negligible, uh, capable of being set aside, ignored. Oh, we're going to fixate, some in the church might say, on that one moment. But, but, but I think that, that what the gospel message here for us from Paul is, is that uh, this is not only a moment, but this is a process of continually being rooted. It's not as though you just draw that one root down and say, I believe in Jesus, but, but it's, I believe in Jesus and I'm going to learn to follow him day by day, planting those roots more and more. See, in verse 17, uh, it, do, it doesn't just say that we're being rooted and grounded in love. It says, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. This continual sense uh, that, that it does not stop, it cannot stop, as you are being people of God, constantly, always, forever, being rooted and grounded in love. That's what we have to be about. That's what we must be about. You see, it all starts with that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Yes, that is the beginning for each and every one of us. But it is only a beginning. It is only the start, and we must continue to be rooted and grounded in love. It is perpetual. The more fruit we bear, the more growth we need in our roots. The more growth we have in our roots, the more we might be able to bear fruit. It is a direct parallel. I love the image that, uh, that Robin has prepared for us for this annual theme, this, this rooted theme, because when you look at it, if you actually study it, you'll see that the roots and, uh, and the fruit-bearing limbs are the same. It is a mirror, in fact. Uh, and and it's, it's as though it's teaching us that the, the, the fruit-bearing limbs can never outgrow their roots, because if they did, it would fall over. It would not be able to be sustained. It all has to happen beginning with faith in Jesus Christ, but continuing to grow rooted. It says grounded and rooted in love. In, in, in love. And, and, and I think that that, that is a, a hint for us, uh, maybe moving us from the why uh, that, that each of us need this continually, moving us from this what, that it would be uh, th this, this faith that is growing and developing, and moving more to the how. Uh, how can we be rooted? How can we be grounded in love? In, in love. It all starts with the, the way we're in loving relationship. And that's why the context for this passage, so that we didn't just focus on verse 17, because uh, the, the beginning and the end and everything in between is showing us uh, what it means, the how to be rooted in ground of love. And it begins in verse 14 and 15. In verse 14 and 15, it, it, it talks about being loved by God. You see, it says, uh, I bow my, my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth takes its name. Uh, it, it, that's profound that, that, that we, uh, the people of God, not, not just us, but in fact everyone in all the earth, every family in heaven and on earth takes their name, has been adopted uh, by, by, G, by Jesus to God's family that everyone can be brother and sister. Uh, my older sister is a little bit 
feisty. Uh, she, she is incredibly particular, and I am her older brother, uh, her younger brother, excuse me, I feel like an older brother sometimes. Uh, I, I am her, her younger brother by 20 months, and so we have always been incredibly close. Uh, and uh, sh- she got a little bit mad whenever uh, Lauren and I had uh, Addie before she had kids because she's older, so she should have kids first. Uh, she, she is a, a very feisty woman, and she said whenever she uh, gave birth to, uh, to her eldest, her son, uh, I asked, well, well what, what's his name going to be? Uh, and, and she said, his name's going to be Mateo. Uh, she, uh, her husband is, uh, is from Mexican descent and they wanted to name him Mateo. And, uh, I said, great, I'm gonna call him Teo. And she looked at me like she was like, you know, like what's, what's, what's the superhero from X-Men that like shoots lasers with his eyes and like cuts through. Yeah. So she did that to me and I felt it. Uh, it was real and it burned and it was painful, but as a loving brother, uh, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't stop, you know, and so uh, I, had to, I had to press on and lean in, and, and, and so I said, well, you know, if you don't like Tao, I'll just call him Matty, and she looked at me again, and then I said, I'll call him Matt, and she didn't like that either, and so I just pressed in, I said, I said Amy, Whenever you name your child, you have to think about every nickname that could possibly be given to your child because they're going to get their nicknames. And she's, she looked at me with intensity and said, no one will ever call him by a nickname. He will always be called Mateo. I said, you're going to control his high school friends someday. She said, look me in the eye. He will never be called <laughs> any name other than, I told you, my, Amy is fierce. She's fierce. And, and, uh, and every once in a while, uh, at the right moment at family gatherings, I, I, I call for my nephew, Mateo, and I say, hey, Teo. <laughs> and I just look at, well, so, so the, there's, there's, <laughs> there's power there's power in the name for my sister, though, and I came to realize that. There's power in the, in the name. It's not, just, it's not just Mateo. It's not just her being obstinate or ornery, which she is both. Um, it, it's, it's actually that Mateo uh, has, has meaning, not just meaning for her, but it has, it has meaning. Mateo, just like Matthew, means gift from God. And she didn't want the, the meaning of the name to be tainted or challenged in any way. She wanted him to know always that he was, he is, a gift from God. In the Bible, we, we see often the power of the name. Uh, even in the name of Jesus, in Matthew 1 uh, we hear uh, that, that Jesus' name has been established before he, uh, he is even born. Uh, the angel of the Lord says, She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, the, the name Jesus, the very word, the very name Jesus means rescuer, deliverer, savior. 
And, and, and so the name has power. So when we call upon the name of Jesus, we're confessing we need rescuing, we need saving, we need deliver, deliverance, and we know because of the power of the name and because the name is true and founded in his resurrection and his incarnation, we know that there is deliverance, there is salvation. It's all there for us. There's power in the name. And so when Paul writes this and says, uh, you need to be rooted and grounded in love. The beginning of it all is to know that you are loved as a family member, as a son and daughter of the Most High God, as a brother and sister amongst all of the saints. We are loved by God. And if we want to be rooted and grounded in love, that's the first step the second might seem simple uh, uh, but 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 we can't lose it as a people and that is that, that we need to know uh, that we have a loving gift of God's holy word we have a loving gift from God of his holy word you see in verse 16 it says I pray that according to the riches of his that's God's glory God may grant that you would be strengthened in your inner being the riches of his glory. How are we to know the riches of, the, of God's glory? How are we to begin to, to consider the riches of God's glory? It is all contained in God's holy word. Every last bit of it. If we want to know of God's glory, we could turn to God's word and God's word would reveal to us glory upon glory. Riches for all of us in wisdom, in, in, in passion, in the way that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ met us in our greatest need and transformed the entire world. We have a loving gift in God's holy word. And if we want to be a people of faith rooted, we must be rooted in that loving gift. Not neglecting it, not distorting it, not trying to make it serve our own whim or will, but submitting to it as God's holy truth. You see, in, uh, in 2 Timothy, uh, it, it gives us uh, great context and wisdom. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture, all of God's Word, this, this, this loving gift of God's glory, all Scripture is inspired by God, is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. If we want to be equipped for good works, if we want to be rooted in such a way where we could bear fruit, we must focus our lives, ourselves, on the teaching that comes in God's holy word. The last thing that we must do as a people if we are to, uh, to be rooted in love is, is we must be rooted in the love that is shared amongst the saints. It's beautiful the way that, that Paul writes in verse 18 and 19. He says, I pray that you, all of you, would have the power to comprehend with all the saints. Uh, he could have left that phrase off, but he was intentional in his words and wanted it, it to be clear that this was something we do together. Comprehend with all the saints. The height, the breadth, the length, the depth. And know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. You see, he, he, it, says, it says, I want you, to, I want you to, uh, to comprehend it. 
I, I, want, I want you to be baffled by it. But then it, it, it uses the word know, which distracts us a little bit from, from, what, uh, from what the meaning is. But, but in, all, uh, in all truth, that word know there is actually uh, a manifestation and experience. I want you to, 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 to just work to comprehend how big the love of God is. But then I want you to know, I want you to experience it. Experience the love of God with all the saints. I got a text um, uh, last Sunday uh, from Nicole Magnus. Uh, I share with you all last week uh, that, that I was imploring all of you to join me in praying for the Magnuses. If you weren't here last week, Logan Magnus is an eighth grader in the church, baptized and confirmed in the faith uh, last May, just months ago. And uh, nine days ago, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And he is downtown at Texas Children's receiving treatment. Um, and it's a battle. And so I invite you to be praying for him alongside of me. But as, as a pastor and knowing that their, that their family has been uh, recommitting their lives to Christ and offering themselves in, 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 a, in a new way to Christ and to his church, uh, I, I had great concern early on that, uh, about how they would approach the, the challenge, the battle that is before them. And Nicole sent me a text and she said, I want... I want you to hear from me that I can't comprehend how this could be a coincidence. That we're in this season where we're offering ourselves to Christ and His church, and now we're facing this challenge. And she said, um, It tells me that it's not an accident that God has laid this support of love around us in this season so that we would not be alone or abandoned in this great trial. And she and I talked more and she said, it's great to know that we are not alone because Christ is with us, but there is power in knowing that the church is with us as well. See what Paul says there? He says, I want you to comprehend it, but I also want you to know it. I want you to experience what it means to love. If we're to be rooted in the faith if we're to bear fruit, we must love. We must know the love of God. We must offer ourselves daily to the loving gift of God's holy word. But brothers and sisters, we must not neglect loving each other. More than ever, I invite you to dedicate your lives to that sacrificial love for each other.
Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we come before you uh, thankful that we uh, have this gift of love in your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask, oh God, that you would help us to know that we have been brought into your family, that we have been uh, given your name and that in that name there is power. Lord, that, that, that we're not alone. That you meet with us. Your word informs us and your family, our family, shares in a love that is beyond all comprehension or understanding. Lord, we ask that you would meet with us with your love at this time. Uh, that this year would be a year where uh, fruit is born through your people, through the people of covenant, and that, uh, that you would be glorified in all that we do together. Lord, I ask that as we continue in worship that you would uh, meet with us in this time of offering. Lord, that as we offer a portion of what you've given to us back to the kingdom building work of your church, that you would uh, receive glory, honor, and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would the ushers come forward for this morning's offering?